Ladies and gents, welcome to a new episode of Anime Talk in Nerd Factory Reboot. This is the third episode, and we have some things to talk about. Unfortunately, it was light on anime news. Although, there are some pretty cool news that we're going to talk about. So, hang around. We're going to have lots of fun, and you're going to be up to date with the things that I usually am up to date with. So, sorry. It's kind of... Basically, I'm choosing what to talk about, but still, if you like My Hero Academia, if you like Dragon Ball Attack on Titan, why not? Stick around! God, I love that intro. It's really cool, isn't it? It's actually Cyberpunk Sport Mid-Tempo by Infraction. I gotta say, that's an amazing intro. I love it so much. If I ever make an intro uh, myself, which I'm actually working on, I really don't know how to produce music without a MIDI keyboard or something like that. I'm trying, but I just play guitar and all variations of guitar, so I don't really know how to work with electronical music stuff like that so I'm learning slowly but if I had a MIDI controller that would be so cool because I can play with guitar I can you know convert it into other instruments and their corresponding you know chords that would be pretty awesome but I can't I don't have big mistake that I didn't buy it when I could anyways so I hope you like it so anyways um, before we start guys if you like this uh, podcast please um, like subscribe follow, do whatever you can on whichever platform you are, and spread the love. Make sure that you can spread it around, share the episodes, and help me get to a bigger audience like before. So, of course, it's been some time since I've done this, so yeah, it's bound to, you know, not be as big as it used to be. Anyways, let's talk about My Hero Academia Chapter 322. Before we start, full spoilers ahead. Be very careful. So much spoiler. So, if you might remember, we thought that Uraraka would be the one to actually save Deku. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Actually, something much cooler happened that... It's actually pretty dope. So... Now, the thing is that when we were reading the previous chapter, uh, technically Kirishima wanted to talk to Deku... Bakugo wanted to talk to Deku, Ida talked to Deku actually, and they were trying to save him as best as they could. So in this ch- chapter, it opens with you know Ida grabbing Deku and basically um, holding him tight, and they're going down. And that's when suddenly Ida realizes that holy shit, we're in the middle of the nowhere, we're in the air, and we're falling. What do we do? At this point, I just want to ask Ida, what the hell were you even thinking? Sure, you saved Deku, but what was your plan? Did you hope that Deku would, I don't know, cooperate and save himself with you? The mother blocker is so tired, he can't even move at this point. What was the point of this? So, stupid move, Ida. Very stupid move. But, Deku is full-on crying and really tired from doing all the stuff that he was doing, so they are falling fast. 
And at that point, Kirishima just sees them and grabs them and saves them from certain death. However, I'm still very skeptical. How did they survive? Given the speed that they were coming down and Kirishima having his hardening, which actually turns him kind of spiky at some places of his body, they would have been damaged to hell. Hell, if Kirishima wanted to survive that kind of impact, he should have gone to unbreakable mode, which meant he would be so spiky that he would outright kill those guys while trying to save them. So it was really weird what happened. But anyways, he saves them and talks to Deku and says that, yeah, are you the kid that I heard about in middle school who risked his life to save his friend, which meant Bakugo and the slime villain? So it was all so cool. I got to say that it was so cool that, yes, a flashback to that. And to be honest, I don't think that Horikoshi ever thought about doing this, like making Deku a semi-villainous character so that people could reminisce and, you know, talk to him about it. But I think that the way he wrote this character really did a fine job so that, yeah, they could talk about him like that. And that's what I love about these chapters. I mean, it's so natural. I don't think that any of this was forced to basically say that, yeah, Deku had to do all of these stuff so that he could talk about it later. No, it happened organically, naturally, because that's the character of the of Deku. That's why everyone loves him. And then he had a wealth of knowledge and material to go back and talk about it and say that, yeah, guys, this is this is Deku. This is his character. He was always so kind and like this. Gotta say, great job on that, Horikoshi. You're a master. So anyways, yeah, he, he did that and it was so cool. And um, they talk to him, and then everybody comes. Mina comes, and of course, Mina is crying. She's so sad. Understandable, because if you know what happens in the war arc, where she actually sees Midnight die. So yeah, she doesn't really want to see anybody else die. So they gather around Deku. They talk to him. They say, hey, you should come back. Don't worry, we will help you. Please let us help. And here's the part that I love so much. Bakugo then starts talking to Deku. He talks about everything that he's done in the past and, you know, uh, in the present, everything that has happened so far. And as he's talking, they start from being toddlers until they are the age now. I mean, there are like different panels where you see, like, for example, Bakugo as a toddler, Deku as a toddler. Bakugo middle school, Deku middle school. Bakugo, I don't know, first year of UA when they got there, Deku the same thing. Now, them and them. And it was so cool seeing all of that. So, he talks to Deku and says that, yeah, you were quirkless, that's why I looked down upon you, but you got the quirk, you started to work, you started to catch up to me, you started to become better than me, all of that. And I just want to say, Deku, that I am sorry. This was the most powerful thing I've seen. This is right up there with Vegeta telling Trunks he loves him and sacrifices himself against Majin Buu. This is right up there. You cannot tell me that this is not because it is. It is so beautiful. Bakugo, the guy who hated Deku, the guy who was so crazy, is changing into a better person. He just looks at Deku and says, I'm so sorry for everything I've done. At this point, I really hope that he keeps calling him nerd. Because it would be so weird to see Bakugo not call him a nerd anymore. But 
it was so precious. I gotta say, everything that came here, again, the, the reason that it is so beautiful is because it is so organic. Part of the reason why I think everyone loves Dragon Ball Z and the fact that, you know, Vegeta changes as a character is because how organic it is. Because how villainous he starts out and slowly but surely he's changing into a better person until he does what he does. That's why I think that people love Dragon Ball Z because it's organic and My Hero Academia does this as well. It is super organic. It is super well done. When you look at it, when you look at what happens, the way he says I'm sorry, when he talks about everything, it's just so beautiful. I actually laughed when I read the Bean version translation before the official translation came. Because he wrote like, I love, oh no, I mean, I, I'm i sorry. He was saying, that you were insinuating that yeah, Bakugo loves Deku. It was really funny. Really ruined the moment. But I gotta say, so beautiful to finally see that. But again, I go back that the second user is really Bakugo. You can't really argue with me on this. How many times do I have to say it? Yes, they never said it's Bakugo, but we never actually talked to the guy. We don't know his name. We don't know his motives. We see that he has a similar gauntlet to Bakugo. He's calm like Bakugo is. He says that we need help. We need to somehow help Deku. And he has a scar. It, is, it makes so much sense to say that, yeah, this is Bakugo. And I can't keep going onto Reddit and everywhere else to post that, yes, guys, this is really Bakugo. Because I know that people will yell at me and say that, no, this isn't Bakugo, you're crazy. How is this Bakugo? But I gotta say, no, you, you guys are wrong. This is definitely Bakugo. I'm 100% sure now. Because of the way Bakugo changed into a calmer person, this is definitely Bakugo. Don't argue with me on this. Don't do it. You're not gonna like it. Neither am I. <laughs> Don't do it. Anyways. So he talks to them like that and then Deku realizes that even though he thinks they cannot keep up with All for One, they really are leaps and bounds ahead of him and he understands all of that. And it was so, so freaking cool. And honestly, I gotta say, great job on all of this. Because the way it was handled, the way it was... You could actually feel people care about Deku, about who he is, about who he truly wants to be. So I gotta say, amazing job. It really felt so good. After that, of course, we go on to um, UA, the new UA, and the new UA looks like a freaking fortress at this point. It's like a military fortress. And they say that, yeah, we have so much security, people are coming in, they are normal people, the ones who are anti-hero or basically villains are outside, and if somebody changes behavior inside, we, you know, throw them out, and things like that. And I gotta say that, you know, it, it was really cool seeing that UA has all of this to create something like that, but we, we, we have yet to see everything inside the UA. I really want to see how the school is affected. By all of this because there are people refugees living there because of everything that happened however as soon as they go in and they say Deku they're suddenly angry because they're like hey isn't this the guy who you know Shigaraki is looking for you're bringing him here you want to kill us so technically the same thing Deku said that they're looking for him 
but honestly with the power that class 1a is showing it's just amazing they know they can handle it maybe they can't handle shigaraki but they can handle everything that comes to them i mean they don't need to handle shigaraki on their own because deku can do that and they can help him support him you know there was one thing that bakugo also said in this chapter which was really cool a cool throwback he said do you remember deku what i told you when i got stabbed and he says no he says that i told you to not do this on your own and he says that he moved on his own that was really cool this was before he said i'm sorry because you know he really respects deku now as a friend maybe as a rival but he respects him anyways that that happens they talk to him they're angry and stuff like that and deku slowly loses you know his confidence and starts to walk away in which case you know uraka immediately uh grabs his hand and says that hey you won't go away we did our best to bring you here you're not going anywhere now and smiles at him and grabs his hand and then he says the uh the famous question who helps the heroes when they are in need very cool and you know honestly somebody pointed this out and i think that they're right throughout the many arcs that we had so far we've seen deku slowly fade away from the smiling kid to this kid who is having the you know is shouldering the burden of the world on him do you guys remember in the shiei hasaikai when he cried and todoroki told him that it's okay i think that he was also crying this was there you know he was slowly feeling the pressure and as it went on he kept feeling it more and more and more until he got to the war arc where he lost it he really lost it the poor guy but here's the thing what's gonna happen oh boy they talk about a connected feelings at the end of the chapter so it's really cool to think that yes maybe uraka will tell deku something i don't know maybe but the cool thing about it is that i like to think that yeah maybe she tells deku something maybe they talk about their feelings or she hints at it i don't know if it's the right time but i think that next chapter we're going to see deku look healthy again look clean and look cool and they help him out and you know everything starts to get better and better but here's what i'm worried about deku left all might in a bad way he's back at ua all might is nowhere to be found last time we saw stain next to all might something tells me that all might's gonna die i'm not sure if it's the next chapter or maybe the next two chapters but he's gonna die by stain i used to think that that wouldn't happen but the way it's being set up it seems that maybe all might might be killed by stain maybe stain feels that all might should not have given up or should not have left this kind of power to someone who was so emotional something tells me that he's gonna go for it he punishes all might and remember when they said this would be a very bad death maybe that happens maybe he dies in the worst way i really don't know but i feel like all might's time is an is at an end and well the characters talk about how all might's way is noble but it's not good right now in this situation i gotta say it really feels like all might is in the red 
the absolute red, scarlet red. Do we have a red higher than scarlet? I'm not sure. If we do, that red. <laughs> so red, so much red, all over the place. Like paint a room with that red. God help all might. Yikes. That's for My Hero Academia chapter 322. Let's talk about something else that I found out. So before we do that, the anime was on a break. Um, unfortunately, it was on a break, but we had a new visual key art that showed Mike with Aizawa. It was pretty awesome art. I loved it. Very cool. So, yeah, we didn't get any new uh, episode this time. We did get the dub episode, which was really cool. If you haven't watched it, go ahead, give it a watch. Really good. I mean, they're catching up at this point, and I like that. Please catch up. Please. I mean, every time they're catching up, they suddenly lose track, and, you know, they have to play catch up again. Just, just do it. Why are you guys always so behind? It's not that hard. Is it? No! Do it! I'm kidding, of course it's hard. But speaking of... <laughs> speaking of Funimation... I didn't talk about Funimation, but I'm saying I'm going to it. Watch out! Speaking of dubs and, of course, Funimation... Would you believe me if I told you that... <laughs> Funimation has bought none other than Crunchyroll. The deal has finally finalized. Actually, Funimation didn't buy them. Sony did. But, of course, Funimation is for Sony. So, technically, you can't say that Funimation bought them. Who gives a crap? Yeah, they bought them. Who cares? They're bought. They're bought out. Finished. Deal's finished. So, yeah, the deal is finished. Now, Crunchyroll is part of Funimation. Now, they didn't elaborate on it, but it seems that they are trying to, you know, mix them together. Like a big... Huge streaming thing. And I gotta say, that's pretty cool. Because honestly, everything that Crunchyroll has are some things that Funimation doesn't and some things that Funimation has that Crunchyroll doesn't. Mix them together and you have the perfect anime platform. That is just dope. Think about it. That's really awesome. I'm really happy about this news. So yeah, uh, they said that it's happening. They bought them. The uh, deal has finally finalized. This comes after the news that Crunchyroll made a deal with um, Xbox to give them three months for free. Of course, that requires you to put in your uh, credit card information or debit card information, whatever you want. So, yeah. You get three months for free. Go and watch it. Go and watch so much anime. Kill yourself with it. <laughs> Drown yourself in animation. Anyways. So, yeah. That happened. That was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. So, I gotta say, good job on that, uh, we're getting that. So, it's now a monopolistic kind of thing, isn't it? Seems weird, but still pretty cool. I mean, it's a Japanese company owning Japanese media. Why is it? it they, they deserve this. Let them have it. I'm gonna say, with the way anime is expanding over the world, especially now in my country for some reason, thank God it is, it's, it's really slow, but it is. I think that Sony hit the jackpot. I don't think that anime trope is slowing down. It never will. Even if it doesn't become Hollywood blockbuster levels, it will still be very profitable for everyone. Very profitable. Speaking of profits, My Hero Academia movie number three, World's Heroes' Mission, has become the best-selling movie of My Hero Academia 
series so far. It sold a lot. So much. Do you want to know how much? Well, allow me to tell you. <laughs> I actually forgot the actual number that was in yen, so give me a second and I will tell you exactly. Okay, so on the opening day, it has outperformed Heroes Rising's uh, opening day box office. It has sold around... Uh, as they said, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, okay, it has earned about two point eighty-one million dollars in its opening day in Japan, with approximately two hundred forty thousand tickets sold. This is over two hundred percent more than Japanese opening day for the previous movie, Heroes Rising, and it's already nearing the three-day total with the uh, second day reports number being around 2 million and 35 which means that very quickly it's catching up to Heroes Rising and probably not probably but definitely surpassing it so everybody's loving this movie they're raving about the movie they love it they're saying that this is the best My Hero Academia movie so far and I gotta say the first one was actually really good Heroes Rising also really good if a little bit slow at times but it was also good so this one even though i don't have high expectations i just want to see the team having you know as uh, much fun as possible i'm really hopeful that this is a good one they say it's really really good i don't know so apparently everyone is giving it lovely reviews this is according to comicbook.com unfortunately you don't have a really good source when it comes to reviews of this reviews for the third season of titans or Sorry, that was the comic book.com suddenly yelling. So yeah, apparently um, the movie is doing really well. People are loving it and um, they're giving it uh, really good reviews. However, somebody did give it a um, not so much of a good review. They This is coming from someone called Yikes. Aitaikimochi? Aitaikimochi? I think I'm saying it correctly. I hope I am. So, he says that I give the movie a 7 out of 10. Not as good as the previous movies, but still a lot of fun. Some people are saying that the action cannot top what we had before. And it would be pretty hard, because this is, not, this is not a story that is related to All for One. I don't think so. I haven't watched it. Those were somehow related. And they had some really cool set pieces. But I really don't have high expectations of this movie. I just want it to be a good movie. A good movie that gives a spotlight to everyone. And I gotta say, Heroes Rising really rose the bar. And because it was a movie about all the characters, they were shining all the time. That's why maybe it was a bit slow at times. But for this one, I expect the trio to shine as bright as they can. And the others have their moment. Not as big as the trio, but at least give them something. Anyways, uh, that's for that. Now, let's talk about something that I really got interested in. So, I saw somebody on Twitter ranting about something called Attack on Titan Requiem. And they hated it. They were like, what the hell is this? This is so bad. Things like this, things like that. And I was like, what is this even? Is it official? Unofficial? Fan-made? What is it? Turns out, it's a fan-made manga that's supposed to change the ending to Attack on Titan. 
Well, here's the thing. I read the first chapter, the first part as they call it, and so far part one has been released. Let me tell you. I understand the gripes that some people have with the material saying that yeah, it doesn't even seem to know the manga well, it's doing some stupid things and stuff like that. Yes, I understand all of that. The concept, however, is interesting. Before we actually pick up the pitchforks and go at it and be crazy like, yeah, what the hell is this? Let's just give it a chance. This is after all made by fans. Whether it's good or bad, it's not bad to see their perspective on how they wanted the ending to be. So the way they started this was with Armin talking to Zeke as we had, of course, in the manga. and But this time we see Eren talk to his younger self and say that yeah everything that you see here you won't remember until you touch uh historia's hand i gotta say i like my own theory a bit better because i said that basically it was a time loop it happens again and again and again that was cooler but this is something like that like i said i said that basically he knows everything that's gonna happen but it won't happen till he touches that so the power can be awakened now this is the other way they are saying that, yeah, he's telling himself everything, but he, it won't happen until he touches Historia's hand so that the everything everything can change. And I gotta say, cool concept. And I don't know how they want to finish the arcs and everything that happens. But they are taking an interesting approach. I'm not saying that it's perfect. No. But I gotta say, it is interesting. As much as I'd like to say that, yeah, nobody can do it. Because I I think that, in my opinion, Attack on Titan ended in a way that everybody else can write their own ending and be satisfied with it. Because it went it went into the most happiest kind of ending they can ever do. The, mo- the happiest ending they could ever create. And I, and I don't think that's a good idea. Sorry. I think that Attack on Titan could have ended in the most sour note. And it would have been fine. Seriously, why not? The manga was dark. It was never happy. So that ending was why many people thought that, yeah, this doesn't fit. But given that this is a fan-made rewrite of everything, I am curious. I'm not going to condemn them. I'm not going to call them idiots or anything like that like many people are. I'm just curious to see what they want to do. As for my version of the ending, I would stick to my own moving in the time and time loop theory. I love that theory, and I'm going to stick with that. To me, that is how Attack on Titan ends and goes on. The time loop theory. That makes more sense to me. And I don't really change things that bad. I'm just giving it a chance to live. And I got to say, it's a sad ending, but I like it. And I know that people are, don't like it. And, you know, everybody has their own opinion. But if you want to really know what was my opinion, you can actually find it in the podcast. Um, it's not that far. You just got to go down a little bit and you see it there. We have it. Um, you can see it's Attack on Titan time loop ending theory. So think about that. Um, listen to it and see what you think. Actually, I think I've written it. There's also another one I wrote. In, on Reddit that people loved so much that they gave me a lot of thumbs up and things like that, a lot of likes. Didn't turn out to be like that either, but there were people who criticized that ending as well. They were like, no, this sucks. 
I think that there's always people who will say something sucks. But anyways, I think... Uh, I think they're related. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't remember because I, was, I made so many theories regarding the ending to Attack on Titan. I'm not sure if they are the same. But if you are curious, why not give it a read? Or maybe give a lesson. We have the episode here, so give it a lesson and see what you think. Anyways, guys. um, That's it. Yeah, sorry. What do you want me to talk about? <laughs> we talked about Funimation, Crunchyroll. We talked about uh, My Hero Academia. I haven't read Jujutsu Kaisen that much. Unfortunately, I was really busy, but I will read it this week. Some more chapters so I can actually review it with you guys. Um, seriously, I, I think there's much to talk about right now. Anyways, who cares? Thank you guys for joining. This was a very short episode. I know it was. But technically, this is what we could talk about anyways. I mean, these are the things I usually read, watch, and, you know. What do you want me to talk about? You want me to talk about the old Yu-Gi-Oh! And reminisce about how in the old days Yu-Gi-Oh! was so much cooler and required actual thinking and strategizing to win. Instead of just listing some cards, I can technically just bring out your whole freaking deck onto the board. How is this better? Seriously. I gotta say. I gotta say. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm just gonna talk about this for five minutes. Then I'm gonna end the episode. Why do people think that the new Yu-Gi-Oh! is much better than the old one? It's not. The old one required strategy. You had a deck. You couldn't special summon everything. And you had to work to see how you want to do it. How you want to actually play it out. It was better. More strategy. Today, it's not about strategy. It's just about, okay, how many cards do I have? Hmm. So, if I use this spell with this and this and this, I can special summon everything. I can use this to the effect like that. It's just the domino effect. Once you know your card, you just have to bring the rest of it and just play it in that way. And you win. That is not strategy. That is like cheating. Because in the older Yu-Gi-Oh! You didn't have everything laid out for you. It wasn't this easy to summon everything and everyone. I gotta say, my deck that I have in Dual Links consists of special summons and normal tribute summons. Does it work or is it bad? No, it works really well. Yeah, it does. I don't even use the effects of my monsters that much. It's a blue-eyes dragon deck that is actually... To me, it's really good. It took me to platinum and more. It didn't take me to top, king of the cards or anything like that, no. But it was really good. I really went far on this card and this deck. I could summon so many blue eyes white dragons onto the field. I had so many spells related to blue eyes that could wipe the field. And if they died, they could still come back. I still special summoned them. This was a good deck. But I saw some idiots having the meta, and they were like, yeah, I had the meta card, and they special summoned every card, and they were like, yeah, I'm a pro. What kind of a pro plays like that? Everyone has that deck. You're a pro if you can build your own deck. I built my own Blue Eyes deck. I didn't take any help. I tried to take help, but the cards they had, I didn't have, so I had to improvise. I made my own deck, and I loved it. Screw everyone who thinks anyways, otherwise. It's with this deck. It's easy to get into the top gold, platinum. A little bit difficult. Depends on what kind of a deck comes in front of you. Most of them are meta decks. Most of them. And I hate it. Do you guys remember in Duel Links there was some 
dicks that we had where it was like some monsters that were flip monsters they the dragons or something i don't know they kept flipping and doing some shit what kind of a dick was that i had that dick i bought that dick and i never really understood the purpose behind it i was always like what the hell is this how does it even work there's so much text and how do you memorize all of this crap but i had another one that was really cool that um, robots you know those bots that was a pretty good deck not so good it was more of a fun deck honestly it didn't take me high because it was so circumstantial but it was really fun like you know you had those bots they would come out they would help each other they would get some really high attack wins but at the same time if you lost them you would lose the duel immediately or I don't, I don't know if you guys remember when I say, say sometime since I played Duel Links. I probably play it again. Maybe even stream it on my YouTube channel. But it was so cool. There was this um, samurai something meta that... Um, a level 5 samurai where you had it and it had some really cool effect. Trap cards. Yeah, trap cards could not be activated. That was awesome. That was a really good meta deck. I actually had that meta deck. I didn't have it exactly the way meta wanted but I had to change it and improvise because of the ban that Konami kept putting it on so that the deck would not be OP anymore. And I still use it. Again, if I want to get to gold quickly, I use that or the bot. And when I get to platinum, I just use my blue eyes deck. And I gotta say, it really, as much as I love my blue eyes deck, I gotta admit something. It's not perfect, okay? Sometimes it's not that good and... If you draw the wrong cards, like if you draw all blue eyes and you cannot summon any of them, you just take lots of damage for no reason. You just put yourself in the corner. But I gotta say, it's really cool. So if you guys actually love Duel Links, if you want to talk Duel Links, tell me so I can get the new update and educate myself on Xyz. I have never played cards with Xyz. I have Xyz cards, thanks to the booster packs and stuff like that, but I never ever played with them. I don't even know how they work. <laughs> I know Synchro, and Synchro is really cool. It's actually in keeping with the spirit of Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't have a problem with that, but Xyz, I don't understand it. What is it? You attach and detach? How does that even work? And don't get me started on Pendulum. If Pendulum ever comes to Duel Links, I'm uninstalling that shit. I'm not playing it. Links? I have no idea what they are. Seriously, how are they going to implement these in Duel Links? Duel Links doesn't give you lots of space. I currently have issues understanding Xyz. I really don't know how Xyz work. I never tried it or searched to see how it is. But I just feel that it takes space on this, you know, on the board. Pendulum takes more space. Link takes all the space. <laughs> how are we supposed to keep up with this? And I gotta say, I love Konami for slowly rolling these out. Thank you, Konami, because I can actually keep up. But please don't bring up Pendulum. I mean, when I look at the cards, they just look weird. Like, what are they? But Link looks cool. I don't know how it is. <laughs> I really gotta play Duel Links. I just gotta learn all these things that people know and play with. Somebody gotta explain this to me. I mean, screw it. I'm, I just put it on download. I just gotta see what the hell this is all about. Seriously, it's just weird, like, you know, XCs, why? You know, it reminds me of XYZ Dragon, and I remember that somebody said that, yeah, this is actually like that. They said that, holy shit, free gig update, wow.
how much upgrade is that so much update so yeah somebody told me that yeah this xyz thing is very much like xyz dragon that's that's where the name comes from and you know if you remember that those guys didn't fuse but they got attached to each other they came and got attached like ting 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 that was it then they became this xyz dragon so it wasn't particularly a fusion because you didn't use polymerization i'm not sure if you did i but, but i think that you really didn't use polymerization to bring this monster out but yeah exciting xyz like I actually have some really cool Xyz cards. Thanks to some booster packs, like I said. They're really cool. One of them has 4,000 attack points. I have no idea if it's actually a good card or not, but I like it regardless. It looks really badass. I could actually talk to you guys about these cards. Maybe next time, next week, I bring those cards and we talk about it. <laughs> we talked more about Yu-Gi-Oh than I thought. <laughs> Anyways, uh, guys... That was it. Thank you for joining and listening into the episode. And don't forget that today at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, the abandoned update will happen. It's a new real-time experience update. And we have no information whatsoever they're going to show. But here's what Hassan has said so far. He said that you're going to see things, that these things are going to be what you play. It's going to be a very exciting time for PlayStation fans, which is weird. I mean, I understand that the game is exclusive to PlayStation, but why use PlayStation fans? Exciting time for us. Kind of weird. But I'm not going to read too much into it. And he also said that you will be very excited about why what you see there, even if it is short. So, yeah, it's probably short. So, don't expect... I don't know, but by the way he's saying, maybe expect three minutes kind of a trailer. And don't expect, like... Here's the thing. Just keep your expectations low. Don't think that everything is going to get revealed tonight. So team fake or team real, whatever you want to do, just don't really bet on it. I And I'm you know, super excited, but I think that yeah, maybe they're going to reveal it at the event. It doesn't make sense if they just... Actually, it's Kojima. It can make sense. He's playing a long con, maybe. Maybe not. He's pretending. God help us. Anyways, guys, thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you guys very, very, very soon on Friday where we publish the new episode for Game Talk. Hopefully, we'll talk about Abandoned. But remember, if Abandoned is something really cool, I will post an episode about it tomorrow. Probably not tonight because for me, it will be 11.30 p.m. So really late. I can't do an episode then. I have neighbors. And they have thin walls. They'll probably pound their fists like, Hey, go to sleep. I'm like, no, screw you. So anyways, see you guys soon. And I'm up to, and I'm, you know, going to download the update to Yu-Gi-Oh. Holy crap, 771 files is going to be downloaded. What the hell? Free geeks. Thank you guys for joining. Until next episode. Bye.